If you're looking for a podcast that asks the big questions, like, why do you park on a driveway and drive on a parkway? Or, how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? If money doesn't grow on trees, then why do banks have branches? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Probably. Are we sure? No. Exactly. This is not that podcast. This is not that podcast. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple sits down each week, taking turns selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We watch it together, then we sit down and discuss why we liked it, loved it, or loathed it, and we share that discussion with you. I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. Granted, it's been a while since I did that. Uh, Fast X was the last movie I reviewed. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a minute. Been a minute. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Movie Man Stan. You can follow the podcast at CT Marriage. I am also over on Spoutable as Stan the Moody Movie Man, as well as Threads. Spend, Stan the Moody Man. Well, sometimes it, you know, d- depends, it depends on, on, wh- on what week it where is. Where I am in, your, if, in the cycle. Yeah. You know. Uh, no, Stan, at Stan the Movie Man on both Spoutable and Threads. If you have a long-form question you'd like to ask us, or if you have a suggestion for something you'd like us to watch, send it to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. Joining me as always is my other half. Maud the Handmaid Broad. Oh, dear. I'm handmade. Yes. You have hope. Handcrafted, yes. Handcrafted. It's yeah. quite the tail. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I was... don't have a tail. No, 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 you don't. Uh, it was your choice this week. It was. And? Nah, nah, nah. Your selection was? From, ni- okay, from either 1989 or I've 1990. Yes. Um the original film adaptation of the Margaret Atwood novel, The Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. because why not really? Hmm. Um, okay, so the 1989 or 1980, um, 80, I'm having trouble with my words. I have the meat sweats from supper. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, it's... Either 1989 or, or 1990. 1990. Um, it's been cited both years. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast is as follows. The late Natasha Richardson um, plays the handmaid in question um, in the movie. Her name is Kate. Faye Dunaway portrays Serena Joy. Aidan Quinn portrays the character Nick. Elizabeth Mac- McGovern plays Moira. Victoria Tennant plays um, what I found to be a fairly sympathetic, actually, Aunt Lydia compared to the television adaptation. Well, um, there's a lot of differences between there's a this lot movie of d- and the TV oh, adaptation. And, and the book. Uh, yeah, yes. anyway. Um, Robert Duvall is the commander. Um, he is also known as um, Serena Joy's husband. Yes. Um, they are the Waterfords as a couple. Um, Blanche Baker 
is Off Glen, and Tracy Lind uh, portrays Off Warren. Um, we also actually um, see her referred to as Janine, which is her name from the time before. before yeah. Um, the time before refers to the time before when the United States was still the United States of America and the government had not yet been overthrown. Um, where we find the movie taking place and the book and the Hulu series is in um, the Republic of Gilead. Um, the United States Constitution and government have been overthrown by a bunch of super conservative, religious, um, right-wing, white supremacist zealots um, who have instituted um, basically a theocracy and um, everything has biblical names and the women all have um, titles, um, color-coded apparel, and um, and the like um, that also um, comes from scripture in some cases, uh, particularly the handmaids. Now, the handmaids are um, women of childbearing age who are actually still fertile. Um, part of the reason that the United States government was overthrown was because of, this is obviously a dystopian story, um, in a slightly future, slightly future um, America slash Gilead. Um, part of what um, the selfish, sinful lifestyles of um, Americans has done is to create an epidemic of infertility and it is um, blamed ostensibly on the females although we do learn um, shortly into the film that um, it turns out that the males are at least as often as the women um, they're sterile as well mm. so there's there's you know been an, a horrible decline in birth rates and um the country is dying and the um the the minds that devise gilead um think that by cleaning up society um pollution and sin that um they can um turn the country around and, you know, restore, restore life, liberty, and the pursuit of fertility, and, um, you know, get, get the baby having women back having babies, and, you know, all will be right with their right-wing world. So, um, Kate, our, our lead handmaid, is obviously tested, and it is revealed that she is still capable of conceiving children. Um, the handmaids are all dressed in red. They are trained and indoctrinated and in many cases punished and abused in a place that is referred to as the red center. Red um, symbolizing the blood of menstruation and the blood that comes with childbirth. Um, the ants are um, a weird sort of 
prison warden type class of women who do all the training of the handmaids at the Red Center. They are dressed in sort of a, um, a pukey brown sort of poop colored garment. Um, the Marthas are referred to as the Martha, as in um, Martha Mary's sister from the New Testament, who was um, concerned with, you know, cooking and serving and, and um, taking care of domestic duties. The Marthas are what, what we would think of as like housekeepers, cooks. Um, they take care of the, the commanders and um, other powerful men's households. The wives are all dressed in blue. They are, um, well, the, the wives of men in power are dressed in blue and the, it's those households um, who if they're not able to if the wives are not able to conceive and bear children um, they can be assigned a handmaid now there is another class of women um, called the econo wives their garments are striped and they're like um, lower to lower middle class families um, it doesn't matter if they have kids or not they just kind of do a lot of the the drudgery kind of work that keeps the that keeps the society going they kind of they're the cogs in the wheels that keep Gilead, Gilead you know moving okay um, you explain a lot more of this than the movie actually does. Well, um, because I just recently finished reading the book right. and because I watched um, five seasons of um, the adaptation on Hulu starring Elizabeth Moss right. and Anne Dowd plays um, Aunt Lydia in this incarnation of The Handmaid's Tale and she's terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant, inspired, perfect casting. Um, Joseph Fiennes plays... Um, Commander Waterford and he is just the perfect level of creepy um, creepier frankly than I found Robert Duvall in the movie version that we've watched this week mm -hmm. except for Robert Duvall is older mm -hmm. and um, that kind of gives a cringy element to to the whole thing that and his really bad wig I'm not sure that was a wig. I think it was. I think it was a, just a bad dye job. Well, uh, yeah, it could have been. Um, because he was a natural blonde. Um, yeah. Are we sure? Well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it just, it looked like a shoe polish dye it did. job. It did. Um, so, yeah, he was, he was creepy in a different way than Joseph Fiennes. Faye Dunaway, I was a, a little, actually, I don't know if it was the way she portrayed the character or if it was the way her character was, her dialogue was written, but she wasn't nearly creepy enough mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. I mean, she was not sympathetic exactly, but she certainly wasn't the, the um, beast monster that um, Yvonne Strahovski's portrayal of Serena Joy in the TV version on mm -hmm. Hulu is. Mm -hmm. um, she just, she did, it was, 
Eh. Well, we're, we're sort of mixing the TV show, the book, and yes. the movie. Let's talk specifically, specifically about, about the, movie. the movie. Okay, then let me um, bounce back over here to a different play, place um, in my handy-dandy smartphone. Um, this film was um, directed by Volker Schlerndorf with a screenplay by Harold Pinter. Um, Harold Allegedly. <laughs> Harold, Harold Pinter actually got to the point where the thing turned into such a mishmash, um, crazy minefield of stuff that he actually got to a point where he didn't want his name on it at yeah, all. But his name is on it his, as a screenwriter. His name is on it. Um, apparently, they, um, because of rewrites and revisions and stuff they actually said well why don't we go back to margaret atwood the author of the book for and apparently she had something to do with some of the writing of of the film which um it, it does not bear a whole lot of resemblance to the book frankly mm -hmm. there are some significant deviations mm -hmm. um Including the ending, which I won't spoil, even though it's a very old movie. Yes. But um, and it uh, even even that's a little bit too um, neat and tidy. It, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it puts a bow on things that really should not have a bow put on them. No, no. Um, Nick, um, portrayed here by Aiden Quinn, is the um, chauffeur for the commander. And he like sees and hears things. He lives in a in a, an apartment over their garage that's like across a courtyard from their house, from the main house, and from um, the handmaid's room. There, there's a scene in the film where she's getting dressed after the ceremony, getting undressed, excuse me, after the ceremony. Uh, which we'll talk about in a second. And she's like topless in front of her window. Um, and Nick sees her and apparently just falls in love with her boobs first. Um, or falls in lust with her boobs first. I think he was attracted to her from the moment he saw her. Yeah, in her little but, frumpy clothes from the Red Center. And when, I mean, he's shooing her away from the window. Yeah, he's he like, you got to get away from there. Because there's a guard tower that's constantly sweeping a searchlight yeah. that goes into her room and his room. Yeah. And uh, I, I imagine with her being topless standing in front of the window, that would be frowned on in Gilead. Oh, she yeah, she'd probably be strung up for way less than that yeah, yeah um there are some things in the movie that um that do also take place in the novel mm -hmm. there is a they, there's a thing they do called salvaging where if someone has been um suspected and convicted of some egregious offense or crime um they hang them against the wall and everybody comes out to view them getting hanged against the wall. And it, that's a jarring thing to see happen. Mm -hmm. um, there's another thing called our, a participation, which is a participatory execution. And um, in what we see in the film, um, a, a man 
has been accused of the rape of a handmaid. And she was pregnant. And she was pregnant. And, and her, lost the baby. The baby dies. That's so what they tell us. They, anyway. That's what they tell us, which they say a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, they do. But um, the participation that takes place is basically um, the handmaids are let loose to devour and destroy him. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, in, again, the series on Hulu, sometimes it's by stoning, sometimes it's by kicking and beating, pulling hair, whatever. Um, but it's the handmaids are turned loose to destroy this person and, and you know, kill kill him till he's dead. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what we see. And that's that's another sort of graphic bit of business that, well... It, this movie's, uh, aside from the nudity, is not terribly graphic. No, not generally. It was also not terribly well-received. No, no, it wasn't. Um, and you know. having watched it now, I can Understand see why. why. Yeah. 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 So, big, you know, spoiler alert there. For the end, yeah. Uh, for, for the rating. Um, but, yeah, it... Uh, um, it's... They had so much rich material to draw from. That, to me, says they had... Look. And they drew it with crayons. Right. Taking her book and turning it into a movie is practically impossible. Yeah, you asked me at one point, it's like, did this happen in the book? Or is this just really truncated and weird? I'm like, it's really truncated and weird. And... You know, they've gotten five seasons out of the book. Well, I mean, it started with the book. And well, then yes. it, it's, it, it's gone other places. It's, it, it has gone other places, but the places that it's gone have been, by and large, very compatible with what, um, with what one would expect from the novel. And, um, you know, just like with any book that gets turned into a movie... They're going to leave stuff out. Yeah, you can't include everything. And this is 1989 or 90. We're not entirely sure. Yeah. Depending on where you look. Uh, but this is in the days before you had, you know, a bunch of sequels. Although Star Wars had had sequels and, and Godfa Jaws. Godfather had. Godfather had sequels. But these it would have to have been an enormous moneymaker for them to... To, invest in a second to do a, to do another movie and the making of this movie apparently was such a cluster that yeah. that there was no way they were going to do a second one and they certainly weren't going to get Harold Pinter involved in writing the script for it uh, uh, no. because as you said he, he tried to have his name removed uh, and he just told the director and somebody else just just do what you want just, just yeah just here, take it. And boy, does that show. Uh, yeah. Because the, the the movie is a very sort of scattershot. It's disjointed. Uh, story. It's it it lurches from one thing to another quite violently, um, and you know, as 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 a you know just occasional viewer of The Handmaid's Tale when, uh, from Hulu mm -hmm. while you were watching it. 
even I could tell that there there there's a lot of changes uh, mm-hmm. from that story. And granted, they weren't following completely the book because you said they go off in different directions. Mm-hmm. But also, it's it's not. Um, you know, Gilead is, uh, as portrayed in the movie, is, uh, you know, not, aside from, you know, we see A hanging, uh, and we, we see bodies hanging mm-hmm. uh, against the wall, but just in the day-to-day, the level of cruelty that you would expect from this... Very skimmed over. Yes, hardly done at all. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the guard shooting Kate's husband at the very beginning of it and her daughter being left behind out in the frozen wilderness. Which never would have happened. They would have grabbed that child, mm-hmm. and they did grab that child. Well, they did, but, I mean, we we don't know that for a while. No, and I think, yeah, we don't know that for a while. Um. But, but it's not sure what, it's not certain what we are seeing. Yeah. Uh, especially since we see the child wandering around saying, Mommy, Mommy, where are you? In the snow. In the snow on a couple of different occasions. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is this? It and, turns out it, and it, it's, in it's Kate's a dream. Mind. It's uh, her nightmare. Yeah. Um, but the the story is just so watered down yes and so you know there there doesn't seem to be a consistent tone throughout the movie no this actually wasn't the first director either oh yeah yeah um so it it it's like Frankenstein put this thing together. Yeah, it is it, it is, was assembled by committee and, and you can see the stitches. You really can. Because, uh, as you said, the ending, it, I think they didn't know what to do at the end. So, so let's they, give this a whiz-bang ending. Well, no, let's, well, yeah, a little bit. But also, let's give this a marginally happy ending. Um, but I can't imagine that a, I, I'm not I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, a pregnant woman living alone in a uh, trailer in the mountains in the middle of winter. That's not going, that's not really that happy an ending. Especially since she's depending on the resistance to bring her food, which they do sometimes. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. And it's, it just, the film has no focus. It has no point of view. Um... Other than, yeah, Gilead is bad, and the two sex scenes we see of Robert Duvall trying to impregnate the, the ceremony, Kate, the ceremony, yeah, which um, we'll talk about in a second, is, uh, I mean, there's no way to make that anything but cringy, but it's cringy in an embarrassing way. It's not as cringy as it should be either, because what the ceremony is, and again hearkening back to the hulu incarnation the way that the ceremony the way that the way that we see that for the first time is 
terrifying as it should be um the way that they blocked it and shot it um it, it it's flawless for as horrifying a thing as it is what the ceremony is is where once a month when the handmaid is at her most fertile and most likely to conceive um, the ceremony takes place and the ceremony begins with the commander or the head of the house um, reading the portion of scripture where um, from the Old Testament book of Genesis um, Jacob's wife Rachel who has had no children laments the fact that she has no children and she says so I give to you my handmaid Belah um, that you may go into her and um, she may bear me a child that I may raise um, so that's where the whole handmaid title comes from um, after the scripture is read there's a moment of be a silent prayer and then they go off to the bed chamber the wife sits on the bed with her legs spread wide open the handmaid's head is placed basically at the wife's crotch and the handmaid's hands are held down by the wife um, forcefully and um, the commander drops his business drops trowel doesn't even undress fully drops mm -hmm. trowel mm -hmm. um, pries the handmaid's legs apart and does the deed and um, it's just creepy and cringy and horrible for everybody involved it is um, strictly an act of procreation and even um, wives and husbands are forbidden from engaging in sexual intercourse for for enjoyment it's like you know that because that's lustful and lust is a sin and this is part of how we've gotten to the point where we can't have babies in this place anymore mm -hmm. um, it's just 50 shades of messed up um, and the way that the film version does it and shows it is not nearly as affecting as it could or should be Hulu did it much better um, so again there's another comparison where Hulu comes out on top and you know the the movie falls short yeah it's I mean quite frankly I was kind of bored by the film um, I was just disappointed well because I was I was hoping that that it would be you know as as groundbreaking as the book was mm -hmm. and as affecting as the book was and the film is just a very lukewarm um shadow husk of what of what the story actually is yeah it's um it's got like a 30 on rotten tomatoes it does it's, it's bad it's um and and that that's about right uh now yeah. there's a i don't know if you've seen this yet but there's a very interesting review done by owen 
Gleiberman. Gleiberman. Gleiberman from Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly. Weekly at the time. He said the book was pretentious too, which that's crap. Uh, inept and annoying. Yeah. Um, visually, he, he he gave it a C minus. Yeah. Um, and commented that visually it's quite striking, but that it is paranoid poppycock, just like the book. See, I flip that on its head because I think that the movie is not all that visually striking. Yeah, I don't particularly... And again, we're comparing it to something that has been made, you know, 30 years later. And way better. And, and, And done better. But, you know, they have the red cloaks, but they don't have the white hoods. Yeah, they don't have the white wings. And <clears throat> that, to me, was a huge mistake mm-hmm. because the whole point of the way fertile women are treated is just as a womb for rent. Mm-hmm. And the wings obscures the face mm-hmm. because, you know, they're not supposed to... You're not supposed to lust after, uh, men aren't supposed to lust after women because that's what got us in this problem in the first place, mm-hmm. promiscuity and abortion and, and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. So, but they can walk around without their heads covered. As long as their hair is covered, yes. Well, okay, as long as their hair is covered. But, but still, their faces were were exposed. Yes. Um, that's another thing that I had really took issue with was the wardrobe. Because while the handmaids were pretty much covered up, with the exception of the huge white wings um, that we see in the Hulu version. And that we see on the cover of the, um, the actual Handmaid's Tale book. Um, the cover art has the big white bonnet. Um, in the book and um, the Hulu, also the wives and the Marthas and the aunts are all covered down to their ankles. In this movie, Faye Dunaway is, is wearing a very striking, just below the knee length dress. Her legs are exposed and she's wearing heels. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and um, the same thing with um, the ants. We see Victoria Tennant in a just below the knee length skirt with her suit. No, um, that is not how they are portrayed at all. They're supposed to be in big, baggy, covered from the neck to the ankles, um, potato sacks. And um, so the wardrobing for this movie was just all out of whack. So um, another, another significant de- deviation from the book. So, um, I'm just, I'm prepared to go on ahead and give it a rating. Yeah, me too. Um, because <clears throat> I, I would be hard pressed, um, to give this more than a uterus and a half. And that's just because I'm feeling generous. Okay, that would be one and a half stars. I'm assuming. Uh, I'm um, I'm giving it one. It is. It's uh, just not good. It's not good. 
There are good actors in this film. They're and very they're, good actors And in they're this film. all just bleh. Yeah. I, there I, are no strong performances. There are no characters that, um, that really, the writing's not good. Um, the acting is lackluster. I just, I kind of don't care about them. And that's that's not what this story is. And, you know, the fact that she is separated from her daughter and she wants and to her see husband. her daughter. And her husband's been killed. We assume. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was killed. Um, and Because he's never mentioned again uh, throughout the film or shown. Um, and the... The fact that she has this relationship with Nick, mm-hmm. that appears to be, you know, very consensual on her part, mm-hmm. she doesn't just want to, I mean, if she doesn't get pregnant by a certain number of months, she'll be sent off someplace else. To a different, yeah. And... There's a possibility that the commander is uh, infertile. Uh, So Nick knocks her up. Nick knocks her up because he can. Because he can. And And because Serena Joy arranges it. Yes. Um, And, you know, Serena Joy almost seems to be on her side. Not just to get a baby, but just seems to you know like you said and again we're comparing it to the hulu show well and, I, and i'm comparing it to the, to book. the book um serena joy just is not evil enough she's yeah she's way too sympathetic in this incarnation and, and i don't buy it and while there are some flashes of um uh, the aunt um being cruel uh, accusing uh, a girl who was raped and had an abortion before the Gilead thing. In the time before, yes. Um, that it was her fault because she led them on and, and whatever and then leads all the other handmaids in a chant of Oh yeah, that's uh, part her, of... Uh, a whore, yeah. which is the word they used. Um, slut also is used. Mm-hmm. Um that's something that is true to the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something, that's an indoctrination technique that they use at the Red Center to break the handmaid's spirits. And yet, uh, there's there's a, a, a level of, um, you know, you know, Kate is quietly uh, rebelling against all of this she never breaks june in the tv show plays along at least for a lot of it um what did you call the execution um the participation or the salvaging well the participation uh where the handmaids kill the guy yeah in the tv show june is all in on that one she goes after the guy. Eventually, yeah. Well, I mean... She she <clears throat> has to. Well, but 
she gets the fervor sort of takes her over the group think mm-hmm. and you know she's all all in and she's, she's got, got blood, blood splattered on her, on face, her. yeah um and then only after does she start to realize what she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, here, Natasha Richardson's Kate stays back. She doesn't, I mean, she may sort of be at the back of the scrum. She's enveloped in it, but, but she's, she's not. she's not participating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the movie just does not go all in. In no way. The cruelty or the um, the level of... I mean, Robert Duvall, at times, is sympathetic. Mildly sympathetic. Yeah, and that's wrong. And he can, and he can afford to be sympathetic because he's a commander and he has access to things that the average person does not, including the club Jezebel's. Yes. Um... And, uh, you know, nobody in this world should really be sympathetic. And considering how truncated this is, it's the whole movie is just uh, um, 109 minutes. So it's not even two hours. Yeah. Um. As truncated as this is, the evil should have been concentrated. Yes, it should have been just, you could feel it oozing from the screen, but that's not how this was written. No, it's just... It's not how they were directed. Mm -mm. It's uh, maybe because, you know, Faye Dunaway was sort of on the downward part of her career, so she was, you know... Uh, it's a job, and I'll take it. Mommy dearest needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> and Robert Duvall, you know, granted, he was still making great films. Sure. But they weren't big money makers anymore. Well, and, you know, I mean, they got paid. I'm they, sure they and, got paid. Well, yeah, and... they did. They they certainly got paid more than the studio did because the budget of the film was $13 million and it didn't make five. Eh? So... Uh, yeah, it's it's not a good version of The Handmaid's it's Tale. It's not a good movie. Uh, the Hulu series is far better just from the sort of fragments of episodes that I have seen. Uh, oh. Not paying that much attention. Dude, trust me, you should start from the beginning and uh, just... I, I don't need that, that much downer. Well, you know, <laughs> I I stopped watching The Handmaid's Tale for a period of time because it became too triggering for me. And then last year, after the repeal of Roe v. Wade, I'm like, well, you know, what the hell? Why not just go back to it? Because Which makes the reference to it being um, uh, paranoid poppycock. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. Uh, as expressed by Owen, Owen Gleiberman. Gleiberman in Entertainment Weekly, uh, it, it well in that, ni- in 1990 it was paranoid, allegedly. It was mm, seen as paranoid. Yeah. But Margaret Atwood said that nothing she wrote about in the book, as far as the um, that none of the um, nothing was made up. Mm-hmm. It was all stuff that had happened. So, 
this is and um in a post january 6th world it's some stuff that could still happen yeah uh there are people who would like it to be this way uh yeah and we can't allow that so uh you know and uh, we watched that documentary i don't know if you were going to talk about it later of margaret atwood Mm -hmm. um that was actually the second time I had streamed it, so I mentioned it on a previous podcast oh, when I had okay. watched it before. But, um, you know, she talked about how um, that she could see the backlash coming in the Reagan years uh, against Roe v. Wade and against civil rights advances. Well, so much um, of the um, religious right and moral majority was really, really getting a foothold mm-hmm. at that point. She wrote Handmaid's Tale in 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, again, in 1985, when she wrote it, none of this stuff was made up. No, no. So... Um, it's a terrifying world. Yeah. And the movie should have been more terrifying, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. So, so we do not suggest you do what we did and buy it. On Amazon Prime. On Amazon Prime. It's It'll, not Amazon's fault. Uh, it's five Lots bucks. Lots of things are, but... Five, <laughs> five bucks uh, plus tax, depending on what region of the country you live in. Uh, but, yeah, it... Uh, it's not good. It's, it's not good. And... Uh, I don't ever plan on watching it again. I don't either. I'm I'm waiting with bated breath for the final season of Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. Now, um, is it going to do anything with the second book? The Testaments? Um, not sure, because The Testaments takes place 15 years in the future. Mm-hmm. And it is... Um, it, it, it is narrated from um, Aunt Lydia's point of view... And the points of view of um, the handmaid's two daughters. So, so, so June has two daughters. June or, or, or two handmaids' daughters. It's June's two daughters. Okay. In in the Hulu version and in the novel, the hand the title handmaid her name is June. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the movie, or it was Offred. Kate. Um, Offred. Yes. Um, there's. The, there's the daughter that June has with her husband Nick in the time before mm-hmm. and then I mean her husband um, Luke sorry her husband Luke in the time before and then there is the child she conceives with Nick the commander's driver mm-hmm. um, after she has become a handmaid in Gilead um, these two girls grow up not knowing anything about each other and um, so we get um we get each of their stories from their point of view. We get Aunt Lydia um, telling her story about um, her her role in how um, Gilead came to be and um, things that have happened in the interim. Um, but it takes place 15 years in the future, so I don't think so. Okay. I think that, um, I, but I don't know. Well, they could do it like they did with the marvelous Mrs. Maisel's last season. Yeah, they jumping jump back and non-linear, forth. and yeah. and that's possible. I, I, I haven't heard anything, and I don't know. I mean, and I know 
you don't want to ruin it for anybody, but does the handmaid does the testament have a conclusion? As in the what happens to Gilead and what happens to America? Um kinda sorta. Okay. That that's enough. That's yeah. that's plenty. Um Elsewise, for a palate cleanse, I'm still working on Do Tell, the book by Lindsay Lynch. And I am also, I have started, um, okay, there's a, a Pulitzer Prize winning um, writer named Anthony Doerr. He wrote and won the Pulitzer for All the Light We Cannot See, which I read last year. It was wonderful. Netflix was in development um, to make that into a Netflix joint with Hugh Laurie and Mark Ruffalo, which is how I found out about the book to begin with. And I'm like, oh, Hugh Laurie, Mark Ruffalo, I am so in. That still hasn't happened, but mm-hmm. I read the book in the meantime, and it's wonderful. So I'm reading another Anthony Doerr book called um, Cloud Cuckoo Land. And what it has been so far has been... Um, a series of vignettes about a number of different characters and I'm thinking that eventually they're gonna all tie together mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. um, but it's dedicated to librarians and I'm like oh yay so um, you feel seen I feel so seen um, but it's been wonderful so far mm-hmm. um, I also in a single sitting over the weekend read a book by full disclosure a girlfriend of mine, but her name is Heather Ream. The name of the book is called Lunch Ladies Bought My Prom Dress. Okay, it's available on Amazon and um, a few bookstores here just in our local area. Um, It's wonderful. It's a memoir. It talks about Heather's um, history um, growing up, as she describes herself, poor, fat, and trapped in a world that that seemed determined to diminish her at every turn. Um, Her family experiences an unbelievable tragedy when she's a kid, and she talks about that and um, how growing up broke affected her. She talks a lot about her mom and her sister um, and her father and their um, family ties and their faith and um, it's just, it's a wonderful story. It's gorgeous writing. And even if she weren't my friend, I would love this book and go to Amazon right now and get it. Um, Lunch Ladies Bought My Prom Dress by Heather Ream. Uh, you should also check to see if you can get it from bookshop.org. Oh. They will, um, purchase it from a local, a local bookseller book or independent bookseller because it's a collection of independent yeah, booksellers like a consortium and then uh, ship it to you ship it to you so cool. absolutely um it's oh, shoot there was something else i was going to say about the book oh about a book um you can go to heatherream.com r-e-a-m like a ream of paper heatherream.com okay that was it all right Anything else? Uh, um, no, and we're like, you know, 10 minutes away from yeah, ending time. So. That's all right. Um, you talk we, now. You and I watch Tom Segura Sledgehammer, <laughs> a stand-up comedy special available on Netflix. Tom Segura is a very well-known 
comedian who has traveled the country more than once uh, in this particular uh, tour he was on. Uh, it was a, like 171 cities and 300 plus shows. Uh, it was crazy. In front of hundreds of thousands of people combined. Uh, and he recorded this one, uh, I believe, in... Um, Phoenix. Phoenix? Yes. Um, And... He's dirty and funny. He's... Well, he's He's some dirty. He's not filthy. He's some dirty, but he's also, like, very just dry. And, um, you know, most of his comedy comes from his life or, you know, amplified versions of his life. Uh, And it's... It's very funny. It was really good. I enjoyed it to no end. Uh, so that is called Tom Segura Sledgehammer. It's on Netflix. We are uh, watching Last Call on Max. It's an HBO documentary uh, a series uh, about a string of murders in New York City in the early 90s. And we find out going back a little further Uh, of gay men and how the New York City Police Department didn't really care at least at first there were there are some people who appear to care uh, as they're being talked to now uh, about the investigation but the New York City Police Department had a rather sketchy history when it came to dealing with marginalized communities and the crimes that they faced, like the gay and lesbian trans community. They really don't have a much better um, history now. History now, but um, they um, they they didn't seem at first to be really all that interested in these murders, and they are quite horrific, uh, as all of the victims are found uh, dismembered. And their body and, parts spread in trash cans, in trash bags, around various parts of the Northeast. Yeah, that basically the tri-state area. So other police jurisdictions are involved. Yeah, which because, also like, complicates. They're things. found in Jersey. There, I think one dude was found in Pennsylvania, or he lived in Pennsylvania and had come to New York, and he yes. was he was. Yes scattered hither and yon elsewhere so far we know of five i lost count to be truthful uh but yeah it's it's a it's a it's grim yeah but, but uh, it's important it's, it's important to Ooh, watch. i just pointed my finger in yes, your you face did. yes i you did told me what for i did uh but yeah it's called last call and it's on max the uh final episode will air sunday night on HBO, and I think we're going to get a resolution. Yeah, and stream the next day. Uh, yes, you'll be able to stream it the next day on Max. And I watched, um, and I got to be honest, didn't pay a huge amount of attention to a documentary called Unknown Cave of Bones, and that is on Netflix. Uh, a tribe of previously unknown humanoids. Uh, from about 200, 250,000 years ago, they they find remains in these in the in this cave that is quite frankly practically impossible to get to. Uh, 
The Homo Naledi. Homo Naledi. Um, and they are sort of outside of what was expected because they fall between Homo sapiens and Neanderthals. And their brain is only a third of the size of Homo sapiens, modern man, uh, modern humans, I should say. Yeah. And uh, which kind of goes backward. And they are much more um, primate-like uh, than, than either Neanderthals or uh, Homo sapiens. And, but they are also advanced. They appear to be tool users. And they buried their dead. Uh, they have one example of a buried dead uh, member of, of this group. Uh, they also used fire, which at first um, they some of the archaeologists said was they weren't advanced enough. Their brain wasn't big enough. But they find evidence of fire in this cave. Um, and just getting... Uh, the cave is, you know, if you're interested in that kind of thing, is beautiful when you're inside of it. It has some unique structure and... Um, uh, and color, uh, and there's, and how they get to the burial chamber, or what they think is a burial chamber, is mind-boggling. Oh, that's and it's arduous. The, and it's the kind of thing that just watching them go through this very, very, very tiny vertical passage um, to get to it, just, I have a thing with tight spaces. Oh, God. It would give me hives. Um, and just watching it, I, I could feel my breath, my, my breathing increase, and my heartbeat got a little bit faster. A little stressful. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, but to be honest, I was not as fully engaged as I should have been to give you a full rundown of what, this is. If you are interested in pre-human history um, uh, or you just like spelunking, then, you know, check out Unknown Cave of Bones uh, because they have found a lot of bones in that cave. Mm. Uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Uh, no. Next week is your turn. Yeah. Do you have any idea? Uh, I don't. But, you know, sometimes things come to me in a uh, blaze of inspiration. Cool. Uh, and uh, who knows what might set it off. It might be a song. It might be a picture of something. It might be a tweet somebody sends out. Or a zeet, as I guess that's what they're called now. X-E-E-T. I, I don't even... know. He's, How many more platforms are there going to be? He is... Well... That's Twitter. Zeets. Because it's now called X. And a tweet is now called X-E-E-T. So I don't know if it's Zeet or... I don't know how it's pronounced. God, Nobody does. What? Oh, Much geez. like his child's uh, weird name. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, um, the it's, artist formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just bizarre. But anyway... Um, it, it could be anything that points me in the direction of the movie that I watch. So we'll find out and maybe 
if the inspiration maybe, is interesting, you'll tell us that as well. Maybe we'll do what we were supposed to do this week. Maybe, yeah, because I crapped out on actually leaving the house. Yeah. So, so maybe we'll do that. Maybe that'll be my choice for next okay. week. And I'll try to do better as far as pacing myself. I well, fi- we're not going to promise anything, and I'm not go- and I'm not going to tell you what it no, is. No, no spoilers. Um, I will say, um, hashtag fibromyalgia sucks, yeah. and you do have to say it like that. Yes, you so, do. Yeah, fibro fog, fibro fatigue, all the things. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We appreciate it. Uh, if you would be so kind is to give us a follow on Spotify. Uh, that helps more people find us and, and on Apple Podcasts as well or Five Stars or whatever it is, uh, whatever platform you use. But Spotify really would help us the most. So please uh, go there and give us a follow and um, rate and review, whatever, whatever your platform allows. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, If you have a suggestion for something for us to watch, send us what it is and why you think we should watch it. Send it to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. That is going to take care of it for this week. I'm Stan the Movie Man. That is Maude the Movie Broad. Love you. Love you. And until next time. Later. Later.